Welcome to the Bike Life Podcast by Warm Showers Foundation, where we will be sharing knowledge, experience, tools, and stories of touring cyclists and hosts from around the world. I'm Tavar Lee, the woman behind the scenes at Warm Showers Foundation, the leading platform for cyclists looking for hosts and to connect with a passionate international community. Find out more by visiting us at warmshowers.org. This Bike Life podcast is brought to you by BikeFlights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Whether you're shipping for a trip or after a sale, whatever your shipping needs, Bike Flights makes it easy. Take advantage of Bike Flights convenient residential pickups and they'll come and get your shipment directly from your home or wherever you're staying. Visit BikeFlights.com forward slash warm showers for more information. Now on to the show. Welcome back. Today's guest has always been fascinated with the beauty and simplicity of the bicycle. He began working in a bike shop in Vermont at 13 before he could legally be paid where his dream of cycling across the country was born. Now a Spanish teacher living in central Massachusetts with his wife and three children, he likes to make use of his yearly retirement in the summer to see the world by foot and by bike. Tour for Becky began as a homage to his mother-in-law, Becky, who passed away after a lengthy and courageous battle with breast cancer. He did the first section from Massachusetts to Minnesota in the summer of 2019, staying with Warm Showers hosts nearly every night. The first part of his journey raised over $8,000 to support a cancer foundation and an organization which aims to prevent childhood homelessness. After a year of the COVID delay, he is just back from Minnesota to Montana, and this summer's ride was primarily focused on addressing the existential challenge of the climate crisis, which he has experienced firsthand. Let's welcome Aaron Stevenson to the show. Thanks, Aaron. Thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I love warm showers and have benefited so greatly from the, from the organization, which is entirely unique. Yes, and the the world, the community, um, you know, the people have benefited from you enjoying biking because you've been bringing your passion for supporting organizations while you're touring. It's like a multitude of of impact in in many ways. Yeah, it's a great synergy. Something I love to do anyway, and at the same time, every mile that I uh, that I cycle was bringing about one ton of carbon dioxide out of the air. It helped me keep going on some of those tough days. Wow, that's really impactful. How do you? How did you get that measurement? Well, we work with uh, an organization called Trees for the Future, um, and they work. Uh, they used to work all over the world, but now they're mostly um, centered in sub-Saharan Africa, and they have a whole system. They're um, they work with the UN as well, and they have a four-year program, almost like college, which uh, farmers sign up for. And they take land that was usually monocropped and degraded um, and a lot of times was forest that was cut down and they teach them agroforestry um, concepts. So they teach them how to grow fruit and nut trees, which creates a local um, uh, economic uh, cycle and also empowers women. And they work with, uh, I think it was the University of Michigan um, Forestry School to put some hard mm. numbers on what that kind of change uh, uh, brings in terms of carbon sequestration. And so over a 20-year uh, time frame, um, they, can, they can say exactly how much one acre of that change brings. Wow, that's amazing. And do they share that information publicly? Because I feel like mm-hmm. that would be a huge impact for those that don't necessarily understand that 
spending more time on your bike and less time in your car is so mm-hmm. good in so many ways. But we don't necessarily talk about it. We don't hear about it sort of in the public mainframe of transportation. Yeah, it's true. Um, uh, you know, one of the things that got me interested in, in um, cycling long distances was a uh, an article that I read in uh, Bicycling Magazine. must have been in the early 80s. And it was just a sidebar, I think, and it talked about how efficient the biological engine uh, is. And basically they said if you could convert the energy in one gallon of gasoline that you could go over a thousand miles on a bicycle, uh, which actually has kind of a little ecological uh, echo here and one of the things that brought me to touring cycling. And when you say biological engine, you mean mm-hmm. the human body. The human body, our legs, our lungs. We are incredibly uh, efficient. And when you pair us with uh, a bicycle, which is one of the most efficient machines that has ever been invented, uh, you get incredible uh, distances out of, you know, I think a gallon of gasoline has like 36,000 or 40,000 calories in it. Wow. And so you read this article at what age? Uh, I think I was probably uh, nine or ten. Wow. And you remember that, like you saw this little sidebar, probably still learning to determine what you'd like to read. And it, yep. and it fueled that. And here you are. Yeah. I mean, touring, I remember what I consider my first tour that I did with my sister. I think I was probably around that age and it was probably, oh, maybe three or four miles. Um, but I, I remember it was the first time they had crossed a certain road in my neighborhood. And I I just recall uh, very vividly the feeling of freedom and also noticing things, saying, I I didn't remember this. I'd never seen this road before. I'd never Mm -hmm. seen things in this way. I think the speed of a bicycle is the perfect uh, speed to, to encounter the world. And it's so different than almost any other form of transportation, particularly the predominant one being cars, where you're really like, it's just like watching through a screen. You don't have a sense of how it feels, how hot it is, what does it smell like, um, you know, and it's not really a 360 view, it's kind of the front view. On a bike, it's a totally different thing, and it's just, uh, it's so invigorating, and, and you just notice and experience so much more at that speed. Hmm. That's such a beautiful way to share it. You're almost discussing turning your senses on by being outside of the box, the the box of the car. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's really kind of, you, you really need to experience it to, to understand how total that is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just again, it's every sense in your body um, that gets turned on when you're, when you're out on a bike. And there's no barrier. There's no screen. You are in it. Um, and that's one of the reasons I love doing it. Yeah, I love that. And thank you for sharing it. I think that's such a an interesting thought process to go through of how differently our senses are attuned when we're in nature on the bicycle. So mm-hmm. let's let's go back to from the time that you read that article to, you know, going through the years of development and growth yeah. when you weren't doing sure. long touring. Um, nope. Let's go back to when you first planned the, like a tour, a, a more distanced tour. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I had done some shorter touring. Um, my, um, some people in my family are also like to bike, and so we would use that as kind of a bonding experience with my brother and sister and do two- and three-day tours. Uh, and that, you know, wet my appetite. But I always knew I wanted to do a long one, and I, and I really wanted to cross the United States. The, just the idea, the sort of romantic idea of that, of course, of just seeing the country um, just captivated me from that, that young age. And, uh, you know, it took me a long time to get around to it. I'm, I'm now 46. Uh, but uh, I kept it in my back pocket. 
market. And when I saw the opportunity to do it, uh, I jumped on it. And so that was when? Uh, well, I, this was about you know 2018 when I started to envision what uh, tour for, for Becky would become. Mm. And uh, again, it was a kind of synergy. You know, I wanted to do this thing, but I, I, I didn't want to do it just for myself. I, I felt like I needed a higher purpose for it, not just, you know, in some abstract sense, but I felt like I needed a reason to keep going. Uh, you know, and I felt that very much in, in both uh, sections where there was times where I was tired and maybe it was just up to me. I might have, you know, thrown in the towel possibly, but people had, uh, you know, contributed to these organizations on, on um, you know, uh, my behalf. And I, I felt a responsibility. Um, and it really did help, you know, those long days. There was days uh, this time in the Dakotas with, you know, 40 mile an hour crosswinds and 105 degree temperature heat and it was hard to keep going but I said this is this is a ton of co2 this mm-hmm. is my responsibility this is this is what I can do and I need to do it so it, it got me through so while you were doing the tour for Becky you were also mm-hmm. sort of building this awareness of mm-hmm. your impact on the environment or did you already have sort of those two avenues as this motivation that you're discussing, right? This like deep feeling mm-hmm. of doing something bigger than just a tour mm-hmm. for yourself. Were mm-hmm. both of those sort of in alignment with that with that particular tour? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they were, and I think the the, the shift. I, I mean, I've it's some you know environmental cause is something that has always been part of my family. My father uh, was a geography professor, and I think he was one of the earlier geographers to really look at um, population issues, food issues, and so forth. And my mother, when I was very young, we lived not so far away from Three Mile Island. And so she was a a fervent sort of anti-nuclear activist. So there was a lot of that in my family. Um, And I I think just being a person today, uh, being a father particularly, Mm -hmm. thinking about the future um, and just, uh, you know, believing in science and and seeing what uh, uh, the way that, you know, organizations that aren't traditionally environmental organizations are looking at this. Um, You know, you look at the the U.S. military has said it's one of the greatest challenges that we will face. Um, You know, investment banks are changing what they're doing. Insurers are completely changing the way that they're looking at the landscape because they're very smart, have a lot of money, and um, they're not going to be caught flat-footed. So um, it just felt like some, you know, and we're, this is our window. This is, this is the, we're, the window's closing and we need to turn. Um, what I found in a lot of people and in myself was kind of a, a, an unease, an anxiety, um, an understanding of the issue, but um, not always turning that into action. Um, because sometimes it's such a big um, issue that it, it can be a little bit deactivating. Well, what can I do? You know, there's, you know, what, 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 I, I'm just one person, and so it's easy to sort of give up. But what I, my, my overall goal of this um, tour was to change that sense that I, most people, I think, are feeling into a tangible action. And it's not the only one. It maybe isn't even necessarily the best one, but I think it is a very, you know, strong one. And that I think um, changing just that that 
anxiety into doing something. I tell people, you know, you can, you know, give me some money and we'll, we'll put it towards these different um, organizations. Or if you want to become a vegan, you might even do better for the planet if you did it that way. Um, so there's many ways to do it. Uh, on the, my website, there's also a place for climate commitments and people have just written out, said out loud what they're doing and hopefully to, you know, help people keep those commitments and also to inspire others to make similar commitments. Yeah. Why don't we let listeners know what is your website now? We will put it in the show notes, but sure. go ahead and tell them how they can find it. Yeah, it's called uh, Tor4, and spell it F-O-R, not for, not cutesy, Tor4Becky.org. And um, the thing in particular, there's an introduction um, and there's um, the climate commitments, but I would particularly like to people, turn people's attention to a section called the, uh, the blog section. I kept a vlog, so it's a video one, mm. um, every day um, on the road. And I did interviews with people about various things. Sometimes they were climate related, but many times they weren't. Um, and, um, there's, uh, you know, a lot of the music in it is my original music or music that I played or my friends played. Um, and so it was a lot of fun. It was kind of a creative piece, um, to it as well. Today's episode is brought to you by bikeflights.com, the leading bicycle shipping service and bike box supplier for cyclists. You'll enjoy low costs, excellent service, and on-time delivery with every shipment, and you get preferred handling for your high-value bikes, wheels, and gear. As a brand built around a love for the outdoors, they are committed to reducing environmental impact, and every bike flight's shipment is carbon neutral. Join the nearly 1 million cyclists who have used bike flights to ship their bikes, wheels, and gear with confidence since 2009, and see how easy it is to book, manage, and track all of your shipments. Visit bikeflights.com forward slash warm showers today for more information and to book your shipment. Now back to the show. So tell us about the, the actual tour. I'm sure you met a lot of people along the way, not only to have these deep conversations about what you were passionate about and the awareness you were bringing to the issues, but just in your experience um, in being with other people in different communities, like share, share a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, the, I think the best thing about uh, touring, I think the landscape's um, amazing, but it's really the peoplescape um, that, I, that I enjoy um, the most, um, or at least equally. Um, and you meet people in so many different contexts, uh, and probably the best context to meet someone on the road, I believe, is in a warm showers uh, situation. Uh, you know, being that I was going through a little bit more remote territory this time, I didn't have as many opportunities to um, meet a warm showers host, but um, there was two in particular um, uh, riding into uh, Pierre, which is another thing I learned, uh, not being from that part of the country. It's not Pierre, just like it's not <laughs> Montpellier for Montpelier where I grew up, um, but it's Pierre. Um, and it had been an awfully hot day. Um, it was uh, forecast to be about 108, I think, that day. So um, uh, Scott and Tammy invited me into their home. I arrived very early, uh, which I don't usually like to do because I think it's a little bit difficult for hosts, but they were wonderful. Uh, they set me up. They, uh, you know, invited me into my home, said, make yourself at home. Uh, they told me where everything was. Um, they made, uh, you know, homemade pizza on the grill, invited friends over. And I just, immediately, you're just in a community. Mm. Immediately, you're just part of the family. 
Um, someone at that uh, sort of party gave me a pass to get into Badlands so I wouldn't have to uh, spend any money. And there's just it's just road magic. I think there's a lot of road magic uh, if you open yourself up to it. I think the best conduit for it that I've ever found was, um, was warm showers. Um, so it was just a great experience. I mean, and, and I just uh, really thank them. Also, um, there was uh, Mark and uh, Celeste um, in Monte Video, I believe it's pronounced in Minnesota, who very similar story. We're just so generous um, and so helpful. And people just understand you because they do the same thing generally. They know what it's like to be on a bike all day. They know what it's like to have a, a headwind and high heat. Um, and uh, I really can't thank them enough for the generosity, generosity and hospitality they provide to me. And I'll also give a shout out. If they happen to be listening to this podcast, please drop us a message. Maybe we can record their show, their experience mm-hmm. with you. But thank you for being hosts and uh, welcoming Aaron into your home that you know allowed him to experience his journey in a more wonderful way. Yeah, and I, I would say um, one thing that I do that I would – you know, have people think about whether it's something that's right for them as well. Um, I, you know, it definitely is. There is an economic benefit to warm showers for sure. Um, but I like to pay that forward. So for every host that I stay with, I, I donate back to the warm showers organization because I know it takes money to keep that mm-hmm. app going, the servers and all the infrastructure. It's not, it's not free. Um, and so uh, that's something that I've decided to do because the alternative, I would have been either in a campground, which would have been, you know, they're getting pretty expensive these days and hotels uh, in this, you know, sort of uh, summer were really, really expensive. So um, to me, it was just a great investment. I'm very happy to do it. Well, thank you for doing that. We appreciate it very much. And, and you're right. Um, it does cost a lot to keep all of the back end of the systems of the website and the technology. It's mainly the technology keeping mm-hmm. it up to speed and up to date and, and secure is, uh, you know, it's, it's a high cost for warm showers. So we definitely appreciate that. Thank you. So I want to I want to talk a little bit about Becky because mm-hmm. you know the name of your site and and a part of your a big part of your motivation has been the loss of your mother-in-law. So tell us mm-hmm. a little bit about Becky. Yeah, uh you know Becky um who I, I knew for many many years um always fighting breast cancer but always you know very sunny and always helping other people despite the challenges that she faced or maybe partly because of them but it was just the kind of person that she was. Um, that was just so helpful, uh, upbeat, a wonderful grandmother. And I just thought uh, she was a great example um, for others. And I wanted to kind of continue her, um, her generosity um, and, and her helpfulness in the, in the world. And that was the kind of the least that I could do. I also love that your children are seeing this example of how you are honoring their grandmother through the work that you're doing. Yeah, uh, you know, it's fun to be able to share uh, this with them as well. Um, but yeah, I think it's important to, um, to you know, pay respect to those who have had an influence in your life. Um, and she has been, I think, inspiration to many through her work. And, and I just wanted to kind of continue that along. Yeah, that's beautiful. Have your kids toured with you? 
Uh, not yet. Uh, I'd love for them to do so. Um, they haven't shown a lot of interest in it uh, as of yet. But I do do some camping and some hiking with my kids. But they're they're not as much into the biking. We also, I mean, one of the interesting things um, along the tour, and one of my real fascinations, um, is bike culture um, mm-hmm. and, and sort of geographically what it's like. Um, and you know, I live in in, uh, in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. It's a typical East Coast city, um, and there is growing bike culture. But I, you know, it's uh, a little bit hostile to bikes uh, in general. And it was just so it's been so interesting to travel in different parts of the country where the bike culture is entirely different. Obviously, I started this year in Minneapolis, which is one of the meccas. I also went through Madison uh, in last tour, and it, things just blow my mind. Um, we were coming out out of, uh, you know, pretty much downtown Minneapolis. Um, and we went by this place called the Trailhead, which is a kind of outdoor recreation center. And um, there were, I don't know, 150 kids on mountain bikes. Um, it, their summer camp out there was, you know, mountain biking. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to see so many young people, you know, on bikes uh, was just very heartening to me and gave me kind of um, a little bit of uh, inspiration. And there were so many things like that where I just kind of scratched my head, you know, places where literally there was issues with bike parking because there were so many bikes everywhere that I, where am I going to put my bike? Yeah. You know, it's something I never run into. I mean, I get the hairy <laughs> eyeball when I ride my bike around here uh, a lot of times. Uh, and just so many ways in which bike culture is different. And the and what to me was really surprising in many ways is, uh, you know, the roads um, in, in the West were just so great for biking. And, mm. um, you know, these big ride shoulders and very respectful drivers who would generally get far away, even though you had a shoulder. Um, it, it was it was really wonderful. Um you know, just to be out there, uh, and, and to, but, but, you know, it's very, you go like a hundred miles and it totally changes. So you had Minneapolis and these bike paths and kids everywhere on bikes. And to, the person that I stayed with in Minneapolis, she, her son has been biking to school for like five years, never misses a day through the winter. He, he bikes to school. Um, but then, you know, a couple hundred miles later, I remember when I entered um, uh, South Dakota, I was kind of seeing, okay, when am I going to see the first person on a bike? And I had to go all the way to Pierre before I saw an adult on the bike. And the same thing was wow. true in Montana. I, I, I was absolutely flabbergasted when I, I did one day, basically, was a ride through the Badlands. I went from the south to the north. And it was the most incredible ride I think I've ever done. And, you know, not a ton of climbing, very, you know, safe. People were going very slow. There were shoulders. And I didn't see a single other bike on the road. Just thinking about the opportunity that people are missing. I'd see people with their RVs and they'd have bikes in the back of it. But they weren't using it to to really see the landscape, which I thought was a little bit of a shame. Yeah, wow. That's really interesting because it feels like it also opens the doors to you and your communities and what's possible. Mm -hmm. Like what's possible in terms of the bike culture? I mean, that's how we initiate change, right, at the community mm-hmm. level anywhere is by being able to vision what's possible when you experience it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of people, they bring it back into their own communities and they yeah. become activists and they become involved in the development of more um, accessible roads and structure mm-hmm. that make biking more possible. I think that that's, that's the interesting part is that you just you got to experience what's possible. Yeah, it, I, yeah, it just really opens your eyes, you know, and, and um, you just realize that other people experience 
you know, bike and biking in totally different ways. You know, mm-hmm. again, Minneapolis, they were the people I was with were in a car light household, and everything uh, was was bikeable. Um, and uh, it just changed their whole quality of life. Um, it was just we went to a school picnic, and everyone there—not everyone, but most people there—were on bikes, and it, it just had this uh, totally different feeling. Um, and so hopefully we can get some more of that out here, I think, little by little. I mean, there's some geographic things, right? I mean, it's quite mm-hmm. hilly where it is here. Uh, and also, you know, it's much older, so things are, um, weren't built with wide shoulders and other structural things. But I know some of the uh, redevelopment they've done around here has included, um, at least notionally, <laughs> yeah. bike, bike uh, access and, and uh, a bit of bike culture. So there is a change, uh, and I hope to see it continue, and I'll be an advocate for it for sure. Yeah, I love that. Did you primarily um, map out your own tour or did you use any additional resources to help you determine your path on like wh- what part will you be on bike paths? Wouldn't you need to be on the road? Like, did you use a service for that? I always think it's helpful for people to share how they planned. Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. Um, I I mostly didn't. I mostly did my own um, tour. I know there's a different organization and so forth that, that provide sort of routes, mm-hmm. um, but um, one of the more famous one went through North Dakota, and I decided that I wanted to go through South Dakota. Um, so um, I actually use quite a bit, and sometimes to my peril, I'll give, put that caveat out there. I use uh, you know the old good old Google Maps for bikes, um, which I would say you know ninety percent, ninety five percent of the time is great, uh, and then the other part. You know, you have to kind of be proactive and kind of watch where it's taking you. Uh, and don't believe when it says mostly flat. Yeah. Do not believe <laughs> when it says this is mostly flat. Uh, I, I, it, it was really weird. I, I felt like it started to learn my habits and, you know, all those weird kind of Google and Amazon things where they kind of read your mind. And yeah. because someone else did the same route, I said, oh, do, do this same route that I'm doing tomorrow. And theirs showed the elevation gain and mine said mostly flat. And I said, this, I think it's trying to sort of game me. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, sometimes it would put me on, you know, once in a while places that didn't exist or a road that was out. Um, some, and also there wasn't a way to keep off of gravel roads, which um, I, you know, I like in general, but sometimes out there, those gravel roads were very um, soft and, um, you know, they slowed you down. They became dangerous when you're, you know, you're riding a rig that's about 100 pounds and with your weight on it, and it kind of would dig in and, and fishtail. So I tried to, you know, and sometimes they would take you, you know, almost always sort of the algorithm would, would push you toward, towards a bike path, which, again, 90% of times I wanted to be on a bike path, but there were a couple times where it didn't make as much sense. So you have yeah. to... You have to you know, use your own judgment and you have to kind of um, be awake and not just kind of, you know, follow the, follow the dot. Yeah. Um, and it works. And piece it together in the way that yep. fits, right? And, and be willing yep. to modify on the go. And talk to people locally. Um, and that's mm. the other thing that, that Warm Showers is just amazing for, uh, is just getting that local knowledge. I know yeah. in Pierre, they were, they warned me repeatedly about how things really change once you cross that Missouri River and you have to have more water and you have to be more prepared because there's really almost nothing out there. I mean, even houses are kind of few and far between. Um, I actually had a person um, contact me through Warm Showers and they didn't want a place to um, to stay, 
but they were wondering about roots. And uh, it turned out that I said, oh, oh, well, you're going here. Well, let's, let's ride together. I'll ride mm-hmm. you out. Um, and they came through the, uh, to the railway station. We rode for about 40 miles, and we had a picnic lunch, and it was, it was great. So it's not always about hosting. Uh, it's a great resource for finding you know, local roots and, and getting that intel, which can be difficult otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate you always helping out a fellow writer. That's, that's mm-hmm. spectacular. And it's, it's the connection, right? It's the community. Yeah. It's the connection. Yeah. Yeah. So Absolutely. tell us what's next. What is, you know, do you have, do you have, you know, I have to, we have to know what's coming. Sure. <laughs> well, tour for Becky three, hopefully. Um, the third leg would be uh, the shortest leg um, that would start in Bozeman. I actually left my bike and, and most of my gear, my touring bike, I have a number of other bikes, um, uh, in Bozeman um, to make it easy to just pick up from there. Um, so that would be probably probably Bozeman to Seattle. Um, and uh, so it would be the shortest route, but also one of the hillier ones. Although, um, actually, the, uh, the elevation gain, if you believe Google, which I wouldn't necessarily do, but <laughs> um, is actually, was actually pretty similar for, the, for all three pieces. Um, you know, it's about 25,000 feet of climbing for, for each of them, even though they were very different distances. The first mm-hmm. one was about 1,600. The second one was about 11, 1,200. And the last one should be about 800. Um, so it'll be more climbing, <laughs> more more intense climbing, more intense climbing, and very likely um, probably more um, warm showers host, especially yeah. as they get towards the as towards the coast. Yeah, definitely. Well, listen, Aaron, we so appreciate you being willing to come on and and share your journey. Can you tell people outside of the website tourforbecky.org, mm-hmm. which we'll put in the show notes? Sure. Is there are there any social media handles that people can find you? Uh, I did. Uh, I did compile all of my vlogs into um, my YouTube page and such. Um, but I'm not a huge social social media person. So Pride Tour for Becky is is the, the best, best place. place. All right. Um, yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Aaron. We appreciate you so much, and and thank you for making time to come on the show and keep us posted on how things are going. Great. Well, thank you so much for all the work you do on behalf of Warm Showers. And thanks Mm -hmm. to everyone who's involved in the organization, uh, especially the hosts. Um, You're very much appreciated, and we couldn't do it without you. Yes, thank you. And for those of you listening, if you have not yet joined our community, you can visit us at warmshowers.org or you can find us at warmshowers.org foundation, pretty much on all the social. And we will make sure to drop in Aaron's link. You can find his show on our in our Facebook group, on our page, on Instagram, or by visiting our website. So thank you, Aaron, and we will be back. Thank you for joining us. And we hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Wherever you are listening, please leave us a rating and a review as it helps us reach more cyclists and hosts around the world. This episode of Bike Life Podcast was brought to you by BikeFlights.com, your source for the best bicycle shipping service and bike shipping boxes. Check out their boxes from the small to the large, which is suited for any type of bicycle, whether it's a children's bike, medium-sized bike, fully assembled bike, e-bike, and any other type of gear that you have. Go to BikeFlights.com forward slash warm showers in order to check out the boxes and book your next shipment. Visit us at warmshowers.org to become a part of our community or on Instagram at warmshowers underscore org. If you would like to be a guest on the show or submit a question, please make sure to email us at podcast at warmshowers.org.